Welcome to the Besties with Breasties podcast. Sarah Hall here. I am a certified health and wellness coach, athletic trainer, mom, and breast cancer survivor. I help women overcome their own mind drama to make mind shifts that open up the possibility for their most empowered and energetic life. And I am Beth Wilmus, author, speaker, and founder of a human investment organization, otherwise known as a nonprofit called Faith Through Fire. Our mission is to reduce the fear and anxiety that breast cancer patients feel and replace it with hope and a path toward thriving. This podcast is about our experiences with breast cancer and life after as young survivors and moms. Hello. <laughs> You're so musical today. I know. Hello. Uh... Are you getting squirrely? I am. I'm getting hungry. I think I'm hungry. I'm back back in my intermittent fasting time and we're bumping up against lunch and I'm I'm, I'm dreaming of the food that's in my refrigerator. I was going to say, I'm (laughs) off the intermittent fasting. I've just been eating breakfast. Oh, yeah. I know. Gary Gary has been like making me scrambled eggs with a piece of toast with butter and then some sliced tomato and and then my cup of coffee. He's brought me breakfast. Great. Let's talk about food. The last three days. (laughs) It's been so good. And I'm like, I'm not turning this down. So yeah, yeah, it's been delicious. Yeah. Anyway. Yes. (sighs) Okay. So what are we talking about today? Well, so we're... Oh, you know what? I'm excited about our guest today. Well, me too. Because, so, background story, guys. People contact us to be on the podcast pretty often. And Holly reached out, and we were, like, really impressed, right? Yeah. Well, I I think the thing that got me is that she's... Well, I don't want to give too much away. Well, you just said homegirl has her act together, right? Homegirl does have her act together. That was the text that I got. Because, (laughs) you know, when you're in business, that's not always the case. Yeah. And she's a survivor, which I think was like, you know, a big thing for me. So she's a survivor. She kind of had her act together. She approached us in a really neat way. Yeah. So we're going to be talking to Holly Bertone today. She's a number one Amazon bestselling author. She's the host of the Gratitude Builds Fortitude podcast. And she's a sought after speaker and gratitude and mindset coach. So Holly spent, what, 25 years? Mm-hmm. in yep. consulting before a breast cancer and autoimmune diagnosis created an opportunity to shift her passion and purpose. Now she's a transformational mindset coach who turns, <laughs> I love this, grumpy warriors into grateful warriors. I War- am grump- int- Hold on. Grumpy warriors. Oh. Warriors. Warriors. Into grateful warriors. Okay. So Holly's been featured on over 200 TV and radio segments, articles, podcasts, summits, and on stage. So she's been she's been out there. She's been out there. She says that she helps women view their diagnosis as a gift so that they can unwrap their resilience and build fortitude with gratitude. So. I mean, she fits right into our alley. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. she I are think people. She are people, right? So today <laughs> we're going to talk about Holly's experience with breast cancer, Hashimoto's. Auto- you haven't had Hashimoto's? Nope. <laughs> Hashimoto's, autoimmune disease, and chronic fatigue, and the toll that it took on her mental health. We're going to talk about when she realized a grateful mindset was the key to finding peace. And finally, how you can cultivate an attitude of gratitude even when you aren't feeling it, which is what I want to ask her. Uh, yes. How do you do that? Yeah, when you're feeling grumpy. Or like there's just nothing to be grateful for, which happens. So totally. before we introduce Holly, let's hear from our first sponsor. Thriven is a proud sponsor of Faith Through Fire. Thriven believes money is a tool and not a goal. The Gateway Financial Group with Thrivent is local to the St. Louis area and can work with you to create a financial strategy that reflects your priorities and helps you protect the things that matter to you, like family and giving back. Please call 314-783-4214 to schedule a free consultation with one of Thrivent's Gateway Financial Advisors. 
Welcome, Holly. Thanks so much for having me on the podcast. I really appreciate being here. Of course, of course. Can you kind of explain your experience with chronic illness? Because you've kind of been through the ringer. Yeah. So I always like to, I always like to begin my journey the day before I was diagnosed, because I think that really helps to kind of frame my journey is that I was like, I had literally what I thought was the best life ever. I was the chief of staff for one of those three letter federal government agencies they make TV shows about. I raced in Xterra off-road triathlons and I drank margaritas with my girlfriends. I was living in some with my boyfriend. Like it was just the perfect life. And then on my 39th birthday, I was on the train, I was in the DC metro area and I was on the train home commuting. It was August, it was sweltering. We were packed in like sardines and it was back with the flip phones. And, you know, I saw the caller ID and I looked down and it was after, you know, months of tests. And the second I felt the lump, I knew, like I knew deep down in that place that you don't want to go, but it wasn't until I saw that call come through on the phone. Mm-hmm. that just panic took over my entire body. And my doctor on the other end, it was a doctor who I hadn't worked with before in the office. And he said, Holly, I am calling to let you know that you have breast cancer, but don't worry. It's the good kind. You need to get a surgeon. Good luck. Click. Oh, great. Sounds about right. And I'm like, right. what just happened? It was everything paused. It was just that stop. And, and I'm staring at my phone, like what just happened? And it was on my birthday. And, you know, I was like, some girls get, you know, flowers or earrings and you know, what WTF moment, my gift was breast cancer. (laughs) You're actually the second survivor that got, that we know that got diagnosed on her birthday. birthday. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Absolutely crazy. So that's what started it all. And I went through surgery, chemo, radiation, and everyone listening probably wants to, to know the specifics. Oh, is ERPR positive, HER2 negative, and the tumor was four centimeters, about the size of a thumbnail. And I would definitely not call any kind of cancer the good kind of cancer, right. but my, my tumor was slow and lazy. So the first time in my entire life of being an overachiever that I was like, yay, lazy. <laughs> but yeah, that's what started it. And It was one of those things where I really treated breast cancer with this irreverence. I was snarky. I was just, I don't know. I just, I used laughing and humor as my coping mechanism. So I kept saying like every time someone would, you know, you you share the news and someone would talk about it in the comment and everything like that. And I always followed up with, yeah, some girls get flowers or earrings for their birthday. My gift was breast cancer. And it was over and over and over again. You know, some girls get flowers or earrings for their birthday. My gift was breast cancer. And then at one point it was some girls get flowers or earrings on their birthday. My gift was breast cancer. And I had no idea what that meant, but there was a piece that came over me that said, this is going to be okay. It was like God just giving me a big hug and saying, this is your path. This is your journey. It is going to be okay. And this is your gift. And I had no idea what that meant at the time. Let's put a pin in that. Fast forward, after treatment ended, I did not get better. I was sick. I was down for the count. And I was, you know, I'm looking around at support group and, you know, all the girls are out there doing the pink ribbon 5K thing. Like, I can't get out of bed. Something's wrong. And I kept going back to my doctor and they kept doing more tests. And then one year later, I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's thyroiditis, 
which is an autoimmune condition. It's the autoimmune component of hypothyroidism. So the slow and sluggish thyroid and the weight gain and the chronic fatigue and just debilitating chronic fatigue. And interestingly, after the fact, I don't know if there's any science behind it or any kind of correlation, but there are so many women that I talk to who have both. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, it's, it's, it's not a, I don't think it's a coincidence. I think the two are connected somehow, mm-hmm. but yeah, it was just, it was really interesting that it was just one rock bottom. Number one rock num- bottom. Number two, how did having the autoimmune disease and the chronic fatigue, how did that, what kind of toll did that take on your mental health? Cause you went from running marathons to now being bedridden. bedridden so, yeah. I mean, right. were, were you, did you go to a really dark place or did you kind of figure out really quickly you needed to pivot? Like, what was that journey like? Yeah. So I'm actually glad you asked that because I didn't stop. Like this is, you know, the, the, the gentle tap, tap, tap the, you know, Hey, hello. I didn't listen to any of that. I didn't stop. I was just the overachiever. I was the adrenaline junkie. I was constantly, you know, that, that person who always had to succeed in everything that she did. I feel like so there's I a, an emotional fallout coming. Is, yeah. It, yeah. Hello. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All of our people who are the most it's resilient. Impending. I was going to say every time we deal with patients who are like, I've got this, it's fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. They are the yep. ones that end up having the most severe emotional fallout. So I'm yep. curious if that was oh, your experience. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. All right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I kept going. I didn't stop. I'm like, yep, we're, we're going, we're just surging through we're staying strong, we're doing the things. And it was at one point in 2017, the debilitating fatigue got so bad. Oh, and I had a husband and a stepson and, you know, this super high pressure management job. And yeah, in 2017, my health got so bad. It was so bad. I couldn't get out of bed. I mean, it was when I say debilitating chronic fatigue, I mean, I could not get out of bed. And I'm trying to do the things. And my dream job, my three-letter federal government agency that I was the chief of staff at, they decided to force me to resign. And wow. it was rock bottom number three. Did they and did they cite like your behavior no, or no? I mean, they never I, well, do, they're not but... gonna they're not gonna say it's because you have a medical condition and you're no longer oh, no. useful to right. us, right? Like, yeah. I oh no, they made my life miserable yeah, so that they I wanted you to quit. Mm-hmm. Wow, yeah. that's what they do. They they make your life miserable so that you quit, so they don't have to sit there and fire you because they don't. Uh, want yeah. To. but yeah, that's that, that and, doesn't surprise me. That happens a lot. Like, and EEO even said they're like, we are here to protect the company. We're not here to protect oh, you. Uh, well, that's oh. HR in general. HR is yeah, there to protect the company. So they're not there to help the employee. Yeah, it's it. We see it a lot when you're no longer useful to them. It it mm. turns pretty quickly. I'm sorry that happened. Yeah. That's really yeah, that crushing seems... when you when you. Oh yeah. You know, it sounds like you were like I was, where you put a lot of your identity in your work, mm-hmm. and so to have somebody do that to you after you've been through so much had to have been just crushing. Oh, absolutely. And that was rock bottom number three. And that was that was the spiral down. Mm-hmm. That was the big bucket of a puddle of the dumpster fire of my entire life just crashing down around me. Mm-hmm. That was that was the breaking point. Yeah. You know, I managed to be strong through everything, but that was the breaking point of I can't do this anymore. I think and, everybody has that straw that breaks yeah. the camel's back. It's so interesting to see what it is because everybody's yeah. is so different, uh-huh. but it always is there. Yep. Yeah. And it, and it yep. happens. And it really is just this pivotal life moment where you can either succumb to it or you can sit there and say, I'm going to find a way out of this. And it sounds like you found a way out. When was that moment? Yeah. So it was at some point, it was a few months into it, but my mother's life mantra was it builds fortitude. And I always kind of thought that that just meant staying strong. And that's what I did. Like it builds fortitude. That's what I'm doing. 
And I really took that to heart. And I said, I have a decision that I need to make. And I can sit here and lay in bed all day and be miserable and be sick for the rest of my life and not get out of bed and not participate in life or anything. Or I can take radical responsibility for my health and my life. And that's what I did. I, I find that yeah. an interesting phrase, uh, radical responsibility, because I feel like that's something that the culture is really struggling with, is radical acceptance responsibility or responsibility for, for their own yeah. piece in it. Like, you can't help anything that happened to you, mm-hmm. right. right? You can only help how you respond. But I'm kind of surprised on an ongoing basis at how few people recognize that mm-hmm. and then take steps to address it. Is it was it hard for you to take that responsibility? It was. And you know what's interesting too is I remember my surgeon, my breast surgeon, when I first met with her, she was she was awesome and she put her hand on my knee and she was so gentle and you know, 39 years old and supposedly super healthy and she was like lightning struck. And I I mean I needed to hear that at the time. I needed to hear that I'm like, I'm 39. How on earth did this happen? Why did I get breast cancer? And I needed to hear that at the time. But looking back, I'm like, that was kind of a disservice because that took everything off of me. Mm. And that put me in, that just put me into the hands of the medical system. And it wasn't until what, seven years later that I was like, you know what? I, I can take responsibility. I can maybe reduce the stress in my life and eat better and, you know, do some of these things to start making improvements in my life. I, I was going to say, I think that that's, of course, I got my ears pricked up and Sarah knows why, because I was just telling Sarah, I'm seven years post-diagnosis. And that's the moment when I really started taking accountability for my own health, for my own wellness, for my own part in my stress. So it's fascinating Because we were just talking offline prior to getting... Oh, the seven-year itch. Well, (laughs) we were kind of talking about, for some of us, Sarah jumped on it faster because she's always been pretty wellness-minded. But for a lot of us, it can be years after diagnosis and Mm -hmm. processing everything that we realize that we have a part to play and that we are interested in living a better version of our lives. It's it's interesting that it doesn't happen always right away. Well, growth for everybody happens at a different rate. For some people, it's, you know, like they have to take it one little bite side step at a time. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, something that's manageable for them because for whatever reason. And, you know, for other people, it's like, I need this now. Right. And and I need it all now. And my life will not be happy until I get it now. So, it, you know, neither one of those is right or wrong. No, no, it's it's, completely. It is totally, you know, individual. Right. And there's no timeline on growth. So you can always grow. I'm curious because your whole premise, Holly, is that gratitude is kind of the key to finding peace and fulfillment. Is that accurate? Absolutely. And, you know, on that journey, I did some of the you know, nutrition and healthy stuff, but it wasn't until I really started to address my emotions and realized how absolutely out of control I was. And that was scary. That was really scary to look at those emotions. And I was on tamoxifen and the antidepressants and all the things. And then, yeah, it was really scary to look at the, how out of control my emotions were Mm -hmm. and to realize that I really need to start reducing that stress and looking at my mindset and taking responsibility for that component of my life too, not just the physical space, but the emotional space. And that's when gratitude started to come in. And I started over time, I, you know, did the the research and the brain science and the neuroplasticity and the psychoneuroimmunology and all the things. And I 
put the pieces together. My mom had passed by this point, but I put the pieces together that it wasn't what she was saying about how, you know, it builds gratitude, like, you know, just staying strong. It was, it was her mindset of, you know, gratitude and happiness and love and joy in every single day of her life that built that fortitude and built that mental strength. And when I put those pieces together, I was like, I felt like I hit the jackpot. Like I felt like I was $10 million richer and realizing like gratitude builds fortitude. It is the mental strength. It's the mental resilience. There's science that backs it up. And it really helps to, it lowers the stress. It lowers the inflammation. It creates a healthier body, a healthier mind. And I just, I don't know. I just think it's the best thing ever. All right. Well, I want to get into that. Before we do that, you guys want to do booze in the news? Let's do it. All right. Boobs in the News is a fun segment where we read funny tweets by real people or ridiculous news stories. Boobs in the News. Boobs in the News. Boobs in the News. All right. You ready for this? Lay it on me. This is bad. There are a lot of boobs in this story. Oh, good. <laughs> this comes from The Guardian. It says, we've had to stop people fighting and urinating in their seats. The ugly news side of theater audiences. Oh. Yes. Interesting. I... I think we've just lost our minds. This says on Good Friday. Okay, so this happened right around Easter. Okay. Police were called to a performance of the bodyguard, and there have been numerous other examples of audiences behaving badly, with crowds heckling, screaming, live streaming, and copulating during shows. What can be done? Can you believe this? I cannot. Well, you know, like I used to go to shows or concerts and I would get annoyed if I was sitting next to somebody who was like sniffling a lot or who Uh, was, you know what I mean? Or who was shifting a lot or who kept talking or pulled their phone out and I could see their screen. Like, I can't stand that when you're paying for a performance. Uh I would lose my freaking mind. Well, I know. Well, that's why they tell you to turn like you're you're really not even supposed to light up your phone in a movie theater anymore. No, it's so annoying. It is annoying. Like the people that do that. Especially because shows are expensive these days. And that's what they say. They are talking about basically like people have paid a lot of money to be there they're trying to enjoy the show and now people are you know behaving so badly and so essentially they they talk about there's unprecedented levels of violence against the people who work for the venues oh man Um, what they're not pointing that anger in the right direction (laughs) well so the royal opera (laughs) house handed off a lifetime ban to somebody who heckled a child singer oh yeah yeah I mean, it's really bad. The newsletter Pop Bitch. Oh, I don't know what that is. And the comedian Tom Hewton have each reported couples having sex during performances. Okay, people. Literally. I mean, get it together. You guys are acting like buffoons. This is mental illness. I mean, I mean this is it's like just, we, it's rude. It's I think it goes beyond rude. But they said that people tend to be very intoxicated before they arrive. Mm. And then they're like treating it like sounds like that whole venue needs to change their culture. It's not the it's not one venue. They're saying it's like a it's an issue across all kinds of entertainment venues. It's crazy. So like now they're trying to figure out like what kind of protocols to put in place because like the theater people are getting, you know, violated and all kinds of stuff. But people are just behaving so badly. So badly. Well, there's lots of boobs then. I mean, I don't even know what to say about that. I know. Be adults, people. I mean, really. All right. There's your boobs. (laughs) Bibs in the news. Bibs in the news. Bibs in the news.
so we're back. I We were talking about gratitude and how it changed everything for you. My first thought, because I have tried to keep like gratitude journals where I write mm-hmm. three things that I'm grateful for. It's so hard. Do you find- Well, this is, I mean, this is the exact reason why I really like why you, why you nabbed me, Holly, because you're like, I'm going to give recommendations and it's not the like, re- you know, the typical gratitude journal thing. So I'm really curious what you have to say because gratitude, I do find gratitude journaling hard. But I also realize that I've kind of adopted just thinking about the positive more often than not, which I feel like is sort of on the gratitude train. You know? I mean, I agree. I, I think yeah. gratitude is huge. Like mm-hmm. I always look at everything through a faith lens and it's like I like to praise in the storm, so mm-hmm. to speak, you know, and focus on the positive like you mm-hmm. said, Sarah. But everything we know about gratitude is kind of like be happy with what you have. Right. But that's, yeah. that can be hard if you've kind of gotten knocked down. Yeah. A bunch. So what are your what are your thoughts about that, Holly? And how do you address that with people? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, and that's the thing, like we've all been taught, oh, you're supposed to make a list of three things you're grateful for. And that's it. Like that's just what people say. Period, end of story. And you're like, okay, I made a list. I'm not grateful. And I made a I mean, I made a whole podcast around this yeah. premise, you know, with gratitude building fortitude. Like it's not a list. It is not a list. It is not a list. It is not a list. And if you have kids, like I always like to say, when when you have kids, you meet them where they're at. And, you know, regardless of what day they're having or how old they are or their temperament or everything like that. And gratitude is kind of the same way. If we start to look at gratitude, like I'm, I'm meeting gratitude where gratitude is at and letting gratitude meet me where I'm at. And not, it's not a list. It's feeling it deep, but there's days that you don't want to be grateful. There was a day just the other day that I was like, you know what? I'm not going to be grateful today. Made a podcast episode out about it because I was like, I'm a gratitude coach and I don't want to be grateful today. It is okay to feel the feels. But then at some point, like, okay, how can we take these steps out? How can gratitude meet me with where I'm at? And it's just, it's starting small. It's those small, what do they say? The small hinges that open the big doors. And looking at gratitude, like based on your personality, what do you like to do? And how do you like to, how do you like to feel love? How do you like to feel celebrations? And incorporate that with a grateful mindset. So maybe you're more heart-centered and you just want to go really, really deep with something and just feel it and just really feel the love and the gratitude and the happiness and the joy and the celebration. Maybe you want to, you know, you like to play a little bit and you want to have your friends and you just kind of back and forth and you post on social media and you feel the things, or maybe it's working with your family, but it's just starting small and it's finding what works best for you. It might not be journaling. In fact, Probably about 50% of individuals like to gratitude journal and don't like to gratitude journal. And only about 25% of individuals like to make gratitude list. So there's a lot of possibilities out there. It's just figuring out how can you be present? How can you be in that moment? Mm. How can you take that space and time and expand it and say, I want to feel love. I want to feel happiness. I want to feel gratitude. I want to celebrate this moment. And that's where it starts. I think that's a really interesting point you make because... I think the reason why I struggle so much with making a gratitude list is because it's I see people who are like, oh, I write down three things I'm thankful for from the day. And I when I sit down, when I've tried to do it, I sit down to do it. And I don't my brain is not the same as it is when I'm in that present moment in that moment. Like 
maybe I get, you know, five to 10 minutes to sit down and snuggle my daughter and I smell her hair and I'm like, oh, her hair smells so good. And or like, oh, her hair smells like the lunch she had today or, you know, whatever. And like, no matter what it is, it's like I'm grateful for that moment to be able to just sit and snuggle her and she wants to snuggle me back. And like, I feel all the feels in the moment. It's just that when I then go sit down at night, it's it's not it, it doesn't hold the same power. Well, I feel like holding the gratitude in the present moment can be difficult, but it's like it, for me personally, it's a much more powerful practice. So I think that's an interesting point you make. Well, I think yeah. that the the, op- the opportunity mm-hmm. that exists is mindfulness of the grateful moments, right? Like in, yeah. while, while they're happening mm-hmm. versus like you said, trying to recall later. I mean, yeah. when, I, when I gratitude journal, it's like I'm happy for my I'm grateful for my house. I'm grateful for <laughs> yeah. my dog, Buddy. Yeah. I'm grateful for my kids and my husband. And it's like, but do I, you know, what are the experiences that actually facilitate those feelings? Uh Or am I just like you said, checklisting? Yeah. I think that's, but what I'm hearing from you, Holly, is that there, because this is something we talk about a lot. It can feel unfair to have to do some work on yourself after everything you've been through, right? It, It can feel unfair that you have to invest time and energy into these practices, But what I'm understanding is like gratitude is an intentional practice. And as a practice, you have to practice, right? Yeah. You have you can start with the little steps, but the only way you're going to advance your gratitude and really make it a mindset is if you work it. And I don't know how many people are actually willing to kind of work the program, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like you go to the gym, you do one push up and you're like, done, fit arms. (laughs) Nailed it. <laughs> but, but, but I will counter that. Like I have, I have built habits by saying I'm only going to walk for 10 minutes mm-hmm. because it feels manageable. Yeah. And but then if you do it uh, consistently, it's about yeah. consistency, not yeah. necessarily about length of time. So yeah. I think it's about building that practice. And, but it's yeah. just, it's, it's intentionality. And I yeah. think intentionality is something that we all struggle with, right? Yeah is making it a priority in our lives. But you are saying firsthand, Holly, that gratitude has completely turned around how you view life and experience it, right? Absolutely. And at some point, and you know, I mean, it's not an on off switch, but at some point it goes from what you do to who you become. Mm-hmm. And when it infects every single cell in your body, and it just it's the gratitude, it's the love, it's the happiness and joy, you're like, what just happened? And you start viewing the world differently and when you start viewing the world differently the world starts showing up differently for you too mm-hmm. oh I, that's totally right that's true it's so true i, can I, tell I think what- i think when something hard happens in my life like you know you just have those moments where you're like i mean how how hard could that be because i still have yeah. life or like you look at something from a grateful lens it's well, a different lens say, to look through likewise too if you're having a hard time you start seeing the world through a negative lens when you're when mm-hmm. you're expressing gratitude and you're really thankful and you're really cultivating mm-hmm. that practice you start viewing life through a more positive lens. You're assuming the best of people, not the worst. You're right. you're surrounding yourself with the right people. So you are a natural health coach. Where can people find you? What kind of work do you do with people? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So probably the best and easiest way is, you know, since you're already listening to the podcast, to find me over at Gratitude Builds Fortitude Podcast. A great episode to start is episode 27, my breast cancer story, or you can listen to any of them. And then I'll put the link in the, the show notes. I've got a quiz you can take. You can find me at pinkfortitude.com and on Instagram, holly.bertone. 
And uh, yeah, I take one-on-one clients on a limited basis. I've got a, a program. Yeah, lots of good stuff. I have to say, I was looking at your website. Love it. It's super cute. And <laughs> it, and the quiz is there. And I think it's great because it does customize kind of, it gets a sense of who you are. I love where, a quiz. I know. And where you find joy. <laughs> and I think that's really cool. So thank you for sharing that with us. And for the work you do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And thank you, Beth and Sarah, too, for all the work that you do and, and such an important mission, not just with the Besties with Breasties podcast, but also your Faith for Fire nonprofit as well. And just, I really admire the work that you do. Thank you. Before before we sign off, we're going to go to our second sponsor. And then Holly, we're going to give you one last moment to kind of tell people what you want to leave them with. It's important to have a primary care doctor that you can count on. At BJC Healthcare, world-class and compassionate primary care providers are ready to see you at offices close to home. And you can count on BJC to make it easy, with convenient online scheduling, virtual visits, and direct messaging. To find a BJC primary care provider near you and to schedule an appointment online, visit bjc.org forward slash primary care. And we're back. What final thoughts do you have for anybody listening? You know, I know sometimes it's, you think of gratitude, like the word water, and it just becomes kind of this rainbows and unicorns, and it's too hard for me. But just like I said, let it meet you where you're at and meet gratitude where it's at. And it is available for everyone, regardless of whether you're enjoying life at the moment or going through a challenge and gratitude is for everyone and it will help you to feel better. All right. Thank you so much for joining us today, Holly. And until next time, guys. Until next time. See ya. See ya. Thank you for being a listener of the Besties with Breasties podcast. If this podcast had a positive impact on your journey, leave us a review or consider becoming a supporter. You can donate with the link in the show notes or at faiththroughfire.org. This episode was hosted by Sarah Hall and Beth Wilmus, audio and production edits by Innovative Frequencies. (laughs) 